You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truths from his word today. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, 13 and 14. How many of you here have ever heard of Max Licato? Quite a few of you. He's a prolific author. I've never read any of his writings, but many who have have been very blessed by his writings. He just recently came out to share a lengthy apology to the LGBTQ community for his past positions on the sanctity of marriage and sexuality. He actually said, I repent of my position and I ask the LGBTQ community to forgive me. This is just another example of the spirit of our age. And that's why it's so very important for us to cover this material the importance of developing biblical convictions. Lots of God's men are caving. I guess that is a fulfillment of biblical prophecy, that these kind of things will happen in the latter days. But it very much saddens me. I see it happening within our leadership. I see it happening within our churches, within our homes, individuals' lives. It's quite disheartening. But even so, lift up your head, for your redemption draweth nigh. The importance of developing biblical convictions. Now, last week, uh, we had our young people, our teens, did the evening service. We appreciated that. We enjoyed that. The week before, uh, we were looking at this issue of developing biblical convictions in your life. And uh, now tonight we want to continue in that line. First uh, Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. Paul concludes the epistle to the Corinthians with these words, Watch ye, be alert to the spiritual dangers that are all around, lurking everywhere. Watch ye, stand what? Fast. Stand fast in your faith. Hold to your convictions. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men. That word means act, grow up, be mature. Men of God stand, and they stand fast. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men. Be what? Be strong. All of these things relate to biblical conviction and then in verse uh, 14, see, a lot of people think that if you have conviction, uh, you, you no longer are a loving person. That's not true. Let all things be done with charity. Ethan, pray for us.
So before we begin to look at the Ten Commandments tonight, and I stated that the Ten Commandments really should form the basis of our convictions in our lives. We're going to get there. But we're going to review what we talked about here a couple weeks ago. Let's see if this thing is on. I guess if I turned it on, it'd work better, right? But it really is impossible to be an effective leader if you cannot say, follow me as I follow Christ. Um, personally, I have very little respect for someone who doesn't hold to biblical conviction. I, I would say it would be impossible for me to follow an individual like that. So if you want to become a man or a woman who you can say to others, follow me as I follow Christ, you have to develop convictions in your life. These are some of the verses we looked at last week. We took them one by one. Obviously, tonight we're not going to do that. The Bible talks about holding, holding fast, standing fast, holding the tradition, standing fast, not to be tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine. It is true that within Christ's church, there are those who are weak Christians who need to develop convictions. There's those that are weak, and there's those that are what? There's those that are strong. They're strong and they're weak Christians. Strong Christians ought not to look down on weak Christians. Weak Christians ought not to judge the strong Christians. But the strong Christians ought to get engaged in helping the weak Christians develop what? Convictions in their lives. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities. When you, when you have an infirmity, you have a weakness, right? They're not talking about uh, 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 sickness here. They're actually talking about infirmity of the faith. Not, not, not an infirm sickness that someone may have. So we could actually kind of read it this way. We then that are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of the weak and not to please ourselves. And so just let me say this tonight. Just kind of take an evaluation of where you are spiritually in your life. And wherever you are, there's always going to be someone a little bit weaker than you, Right? Think about investing in their lives and encouraging them to develop biblical convictions, maybe by even sharing with them how God has blessed you in your life when you develop that conviction. We talked about compromise. We see a lot of compromise today. Matter of fact, when we were talking about the history of, of uh, the Baptist church, we see that the Baptist church was born out of a group of people who refused to what? Compromise. Fundamentalism is a position that took a stand because churches would not what? They would not compromise. And so we have a great heritage as independent fundamental Baptist, a heritage of standing firm to the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. But that requires the next generation to take the same stand, right? To have the same convictions and to carry that on. And so it, it really concerns me when I don't see the younger generation stepping up and continuing on with their traditions that they have been taught. Let no man deceive you by any means. That day shall not come except there come a what? A falling away. We see that. I believe that's the age that we're in. We're in that age of a great falling away, an apostasy, a departing from the fundamentals of the faith. So we're living in a great day of compromise. What is compromise? To give up something in order to reach an agreement or a desired result. Max the Cato. Right? He's giving up his position in order to what? 
in order to obtain the approval of the LGBT community and not to receive any more flack. He compromised. To accept standards that are lower than desirable to, in order to achieve an outcome. Blending qualities of two different things to adjust or to settle by concession. Again, we see this going on often today within Christ church. I love what Adrian Rogers said. He's now with the Lord. He said, better to die with conviction than to live with compromise. So compromise doesn't require courage. What requires courage? Convictions. To stand for your convictions requires courage because they will be tested. So will you stand fast? Will you hold fast? Will you not be moved from biblical conviction. Paul said to Timothy, the thing which thou hast learned in me, among many witnesses, the same commit thou to what kind of men? Faithful men. Men who are faithful to biblical convictions who shall be able to teach others also. Pass those convictions on to the next generation. We talked about Abraham and the great example of the faith that he was, staggered not at the promises of God, but was through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Uh, the conviction that he had to follow the Lord no matter what, even if it required the offering of his son, believing that God could even raise him from the dead if he went through with it. I know him that he will command his children after him. That they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. I know him that he will pass those convictions on to his children. Okay, there we go. We talked about how every husband is to be the spiritual leader of his home. It's impossible to be a spiritual leader without developing convictions in your life and how the wife is to come along and she's to aid and she is to support her husband in the biblical convictions that the Lord has given him. A little lag going on here. So headship is established by holding fast to your personal convictions. Even if it means what? Standing alone. Who's that man right there? Daniel. Willing to stand alone, even if it required him to be cast into the den of lions. We then talked about conviction versus preference. A lot of people have their preference, but they do not have convictions. So what is a conviction? A conviction is based on scriptural knowledge, truth, principle, doctrine, morality, which we purpose to follow whatever, what? The cost. Let's put on line here, even in those days when Antipas was a faithful martyr. Why was he martyred? He wouldn't compromise. He held fast to his conviction and he paid for it with his life. What is a preference? A preference is the first choice a person would make in a given situation, but not the only choice. This is the difference between a preference. Now, I'll tell you which one I prefer. How many of you think you know which one I prefer? Let me see your hand if you know which one I prefer. I got to tell you this, I have been craving. I have been. 
a Burger King Whopper. Oh, yeah. Ever since I heard they were $5 for two. I have been, I'm, I'm serious. So you know, tonight I made a venison hamburger. It was disgusting. You know why? Because I'm thinking of the flavor of a Whopper. And it did not match to that Whopper. Yeah, I, I prefer a Whopper over a venison hamburger any day. The difference between a conviction and a preference, a conviction does not change. Does not change. You know what that tells me? We have very few convictions. A conviction does not change. A preference does. Conviction will be seen in your daily life. Preference may or may not be seen. A conviction will be consistent. A preference will vary. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. What's the next word? Unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Oh, how we need to be steadfast and unmovable when it comes to biblical truth. This is something I really emphasized here a couple weeks ago and I want to emphasize it again. When you develop convictions in your life, they are like a guiding light. They give direction to your life. There's certain things you will not do simply because of your convictions. There's certain things that you will do. It's, it's not a guessing game anymore. I do this because it is my conviction to do this. And so it leads you down that right path in life. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. It is a light unto my path. Let the convictions of Scripture guide you in your life. It will give you stability. It will give you direction. Now we're to the new material, the Ten Commandments. A couple weeks ago, we left by asking you to spend some time in the Ten Commandments. Actually, I asked you, how many of you could even quote the Ten Commandments? And uh, some people came up to me afterwards, and they said, you know, we got like eight of them. But I didn't have, any, I didn't have anyone come up to me afterwards and say, Pastor, I can say all ten. Of the commandments. It's a struggle, isn't it? To just stop and think through all ten of the commandments. But the, but the commandments should really be the basis for our convictions in life. So the Bible said the law of the Lord is what? Perfect. You can't improve on it. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimonies of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. And so let's go to the first commandment here. Say it with me. What is it? No other gods before me. Now let's stop and just think of how we could apply that commandment. Let's talk about the Word of God. The Bible is the what? It's the what? It's the inspired Word of God and is the final authority for my life. How many of you believe that? So we put no other gods above the Lord and His Word right here. Amen? This is God's final authority. I hate to pick on Max Lucado, but he's the one that came out and he said it. Okay? He violated this commandment right here. Because God's word says that that is reprobation. That is an abomination. Fifteen terms are given to describe the sin of homosexuality. 
So, so what, he, what he has done is he has removed God from his rightful place. Sunday night we talked about why so many young people are departing from the faith. Ken Ham did a great job. A lot of, one of the things that really impressed me about what we heard Sunday night was how we talk about this book being full of stories. No, this book is full of accounts. These are things that actually happened. Okay? And so when we minimize the authority of the Word of God, then we place our own intellect above the Scriptures. No other gods before me. The Bible is the inspired Word of God. We don't question it. We don't debate it. We believe it. It is the inspired Word of God and is the final authority for my life. When God says yes, we say yes. When God says no, we say no. It's our final authority. This, this needs to become a conviction in your life. If God's word is not your final authority, then you know what is? Your own wisdom. Now, every man can do that which is right in his own eyes instead of God's. God's word is incorruptible seed. Incorruptible means it does not perish. The word of God lives, the Bible says. It is a living book, isn't it? You know, you know I know it's a living book because when I preach it, people come under conviction. No other book does that to you. No other book is so opposed by this world. The Word of God lives, and notice what it says here, it abides for what? Forever. That is a promise that God has given to us. Being born again, not a corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. It is our final authority. The words of the Lord are what? Pure words, as silver tried in the furnace of the earth, purified seven times. God's word is without error. It is infallible. They are pure words as silver tried on the earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt what? Keep them. He promises to keep his word. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt what? preserve them. We talked about the Bible being the preserved word of God. Inerrant, infallible, preserved. Thou's preserved them from this generation. What's the promise? Forever. The counsel. We have the words of the Lord. We have the counsel of the Lord standeth forever. The thoughts of his heart to all generations. His truth endureth to all generations forever. O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand what? Are you getting it? But the word of the Lord endureth forever. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away.
away. Now, we have that promise. So when we take anything and exalt it above this book, what are we doing? We're putting other gods before him. What should the main focus of the church of Jesus Christ be? The preaching and the teaching of the word of God. That is to take primary focus. So when we have churches that have 45 minutes to an hour of praise and worship and 15 minutes of a devotional, that whole thing should be turned around. Is this your conviction? That the word of God is your final authority in life. If not, you violated the first commandment. God promises to preserve his words, to preserve his counsel, and to preserve his what? You want to know God's word? You want to know what his counsel is? You want to know what his thoughts are? Get into this book right here. Amen? All right. Next, do not make any graven what? Images, nor serve them. Do not make unto thee any graven images, nor serve them. So what can we draw out of there as a personal conviction in our lives? My purpose in life is to seek the Lord with my whole heart and build my goals and my priorities around his priorities. To build my goals and my priorities around his priorities. You see, if we don't do this, it's idolatry. So what I'm asking you to do tonight, I'm asking you to look at these Ten Commandments and say, what is the practical application of those? Yes, I'm not going to make a graven image and bow down to it. We don't have that in our church. We're not the Catholic Church. We don't, we don't serve a graven image. But the whole point of this is idolatry. Do you know we can be just as idolatrous as those who bow down and worship a, a graven image? The sin of idolatry is deeply rooted in the human heart. Now, now, stay with me. All of us have practiced idolatry at one time or another in our lives. Every single one of us. No other gods before me, thou shalt not bow down thyself or serve them. So think of some of the things that you have given your heart to, that you've set your goals on, that you have made your priority and literally, you have worshipped in your life. Just stop right now and think about it. God's word says, dear children, keep yourselves from idols. An idol occupies that place in our esteem, our affections, our thoughts, our words, our ways, our dependence, our reliance, our worship, and our devotedness, which is due only to God. Think about that. Our esteem, our affection, our thoughts, our words, our ways, our dependence, our reliance, our worship, our devotedness, which only belongs to God. Whatever is to us what the Lord alone should be is a what, church? It's an idol. How many of you here can think right now, and I'm not saying right now, but you can think back at times of your life of things that you have idolized. Can I see your hand? 
him. May we mature past that, the false gods. In the Bible, they're talked about as high places that needed to be torn down. So I'm sure we all struggle with having some high places, some false gods in our lives. Our possessions can become our idols. Amen? We set our heart, our thoughts, our goals, our priorities around our possessions. Education. A few years ago, we had a lot of really health-conscious people in our church, and we still do. And I would tease them because they would always be the sickest people in the church. And, and I always say to them, just go eat a Twinkie. <laughs> I need to uh, repent of that. Don't go eat a Twinkie. After I learned they had a shelf life for 25 years, I thought it's probably not a good thing to eat a Twinkie. But we can make health our God. Yes or no? Come on. Body of exercise profitable little, but godliness is profitable. We can make religion our God. We can make comfort. How many of you like to be comfortable? You can make that your God. We can make popularity our God. We can make science our God. We're following the science. You ever heard that lately? We're following the science. Well, if you're following the science, then you can't be transgender. Hello. Isn't this world a confused world? See, that, that's what happens when you leave this book behind. When this is no longer your final authority, you, you get to the confusion that we have today in our culture. Sports. These are just some things I thought of. I'm sure there's a lot more. Self. Boy, we have the narcissist going on today, huh? Self. Sex. Sex sells, right? It's, what a perverted culture. Entertainment. It's become many people's God. Business. Worried about their career, you know, and getting working up the ladder. And just all these things can be idolatrous. Say no. The Lord's going to come first in my life. The next one, say it with me. Do not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Now, we shouldn't be cursing. But I don't think this commandment is talking about cursing. I think this commandment is saying... I'm a Christian and then not living like you're a Christian. Taking up the name of the Lord in vain. I think it has to do with your testimony. Listen, we should have some convictions about our personal testimony. My body is the living temple of God and must not be defiled by the lust of this world. I'm not going to take up the name. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? What? God forbid. We're such a sexual society. 
Bible talks about our testimony for the Lord. How we should not be ashamed to bear forth his testimony to a lost and dying world. We are are to have sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. You have a good testimony. You're not bearing the name of the Lord in vain. You know, it, it is such a shame for someone to say, I go to such and such a church, and then they're just out there living in the world, and, and now we, we have no shame, and we just post it on Facebook. Shame on you. That's taking the name of the Lord thy God in vain. We should have some convictions about our personal testimony. Having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. We're going to be accused, but make sure it's a false accusation. That our testimony is solid. Don't be ashamed of the testimony of your Lord. Has this ever been coming up lately? Here it is again. Sorry, but I can't take it out of the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt do no work, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy ox, nor thy ass, or anything. No. How does that go? Oh. Okay, here's the preacher not being able to quote the Ten Commandments. Not the ox, nor the ass. Or they servant, which is within thy gate. Keep it a holy day. A, a day set apart, holy as unto the Lord. <clears throat> so our conviction as Christians needs to be, I will be faithful in the attendance and service in my local church. I'm just faithful. You can count on me being there. This is what Sunday's message was all about, right? Not only do we need to be faithful, but we need to make sure our church teaches the foundational truths of the Bible and reinforces my basic convictions. You you, you don't just go to a church in order to feel good. You go to a church that's really going to support your convictions and help strengthen your convictions. Next one, say it with me. Honor thy, honor thy mother and thy father. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is what? This needs to become the conviction of every one of us as children. And you know what? Every one of us are children. <laughs> Isn't it interesting that the Lord doesn't put an age, like um, when you're 16 and you know everything, you no longer have to obey your mother and father. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor 
thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise. What's the promise? That it may be well with thee. How many of you want things to go well in your life? And honor your parents. I asked Pastor Peterson one time, I said, well, you, you must have been very obedient and honoring to your parents. You know what Pastor Peterson said to me? He said, I was. Well, we can see God's blessing there, can't we? That it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live a long life on the earth. Here's a conviction that I want to draw up from that. My children and my grandchildren, who do they belong to? They belong to God. And it's my responsibility to teach them scriptural principle, godly character, and basic convictions. It was just brought to my attention yesterday some of the <clears throat> things that uh, some of my grandchildren were exposed to. And I thought... Next time they're here at the house, we're going to have a little talk. Let me tell you something. Get involved in your children's life. Again, we said Sunday night, education was delegated to who? The parents and the church, not to the state. My children and grandchildren belong to God. It's my conviction, it's my responsibility to teach them scriptural principle, godly character, basic convictions to bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. You know, a lot of the things that Ken Ham shared on Sunday evening, as I sat there listening to him, I thought, you know what? That doesn't apply to our church. And I was so thankful. But a lot of reasons that he gave for children abandoning the faith did not apply to our church. Some of them did, but many of them did not. Next, thou shalt not. So I've never murdered anyone. Say, well, I kind of felt like it from time to time, but never gone through with it. Thou shalt not kill. So let's make an application. I don't think there's anyone here that's ever going to go out and kill someone. But how can we draw a biblical application to that? My activities, and this goes back to what we were talking about before, my activities must never weaken the scriptural convictions of another Christian. We're not here to weaken each other. We are here to do what? Build each other up in the faith, not tear each other down. It's really sad that within Christ's church, there are those who are not building, they're tearing down. But it should never be the case. So it should always be your conviction. I'm, I'm looking to see how I can build people up. <clears throat> Tripping hazards? Yeah, they're everywhere. But we should not be someone that people trip over. Listen to this passage of Scripture. Let us not therefore judge one another any more, but judge this rather, that no man put a what? 
stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. How many of you can ever think back at a time when you say, you know what, I was a stumbling block? I can. I can think of some times when I caused people to stumble, and I've had to make that right. That no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Again, this is maintaining that good testimony. I know and I am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, <clears throat> but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean to him, it is unclean. But if thy brother be grieved, think, think of this, but if thy brother, it may even be okay to do it. There may be no scriptural commandment, thou shalt not. But if thy brother be grieved with thy what? Meat. And thou walkest not charitably, What's the next couple words? Destroy not him. Thou shalt not kill. Destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. What is the issue here? The issue was meat offered to idols. Okay? So in Paul's time, they would take meat and they would take it to the pagan temple and uh, the pagan priests would sacrifice that meat, but a portion of that meat, they would literally have a meat market and they would sell that meat for much less than you could buy it in the meat market in town. So in order to get a good deal on meat, you would go to the, the pagan temple meat market. Paul said, listen, those pagan gods, they're nothing. <laughs> they're just an imagination of people's minds. He said, you know what? He, he was one of those, those guys that went garage sailing. He was always looking for a good deal. He said, I could go there, I could buy that meat, and it wouldn't bother my conscience one bit. I could eat that meat offered to an idol because I know an idol is nothing. But he said, I will eat no meat as long as my brother liveth if it causes him to stumble or is made weak. What's the principle there? The principle is there, I'm not going to destroy my brother in Christ. I'm going to give up my liberty to eat that meat for the sake of my love and my concern for him. Another passage of scripture talks about wine. I'll drink no wine. I'll eat no meat. It causes my brother to stumble or become offended or is made weak. So what, what, what did Paul have? He had a conviction. There were certain things that to him was okay to do, but he wasn't going to do them. Do you all get the application to that? Next one. Thou shalt not what? Thou shalt not commit adultery. Two weeks I ended before 8 o'clock. Tonight I'm not going to. <laughs> Thou shalt not commit adultery. My marriage is a what? Lifelong commitment. I'm not going to commit adultery. Listen, there's a difference between adultery and fornication. Some people don't make that distinction. But there is in Scripture. Fornication before marriage, adultery after marriage. It's pretty important in interpreting some passages of Scripture, by the way, to make that distinction. But marriage is a lifelong commitment to God and my marriage partner. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the what? 
flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. <clears throat> ben and I were having our weekly meeting and Shelly came into the office and she said, I just need to share this with you guys. She said, it's been over a long period of time. She's been counseling ladies. And she said, I just, I just got to tell you, she goes, a lot of the women who are coming to me for counseling have husbands who are addicted to pornography. I can't imagine how painful, how hurtful that is to a marriage when a wife finds out that her husband is involved in pornography. I'm, I'm going I'm to step out on a limb. But I'm going to say this. I believe that all of the men in this room have been exposed to pornography. I believe all of our young men have been exposed over and over again to pornography. We have laid the foundation of the destruction of marriage. It's a big problem within Christ Church. You almost cannot escape it. It's like, it's like everywhere. Yes or no? This has got to become a conviction. And I don't think it's limited only to the men. I think we have many of our ladies who have exposed themselves to pornography as well. It's got to become a conviction that we are not going to make provision for our flesh in this area. And I know Ben and I have talked and we may even be having some sessions here just with the men to kind of help us as men to put the parameters around our life that need to be there. But, but anymore with the cell phone and the accessibility and you know, even raising up your kids, you take the phone away from them, they get another one, and another friend gives them one. And I mean, all I can tell you is, if you want it, you're going to get it. And this is, this is where you have to develop conviction. It can't be the conviction of your parents. It can't be the conviction of your church. You have to develop a conviction. I will not commit adultery. My marriage is a lifelong commitment to my marriage partner. I, Dan, take thee, Shelley, to be my wedded wife, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish. What? What? Till death do us part, according to God's holy ordinance, I thereto give my pledge. Honey, I'm yours and yours alone until death do us part. I want to say this to you young people here. Besides receiving Christ, this is the most important decision you will make in your life. Don't mess it up. Amen. Joe and Mel were the first couple. How long have you guys been married? 23. Now they're arguing over how long they've been married. 23. It was a good marriage up to right now. 23. 23. Joe agreed. Yeah, good. <laughs> she trained him well, she said. But they were the first couple that ever came to me asking my permission. 
You know, in the Philippines, you will, you will not... You will not get married without the permission of the pastor. I think that's a pretty good. I mean, if he's your shepherd, if he's your spiritual leader, don't you think he ought to be involved in your courtship and in your engagement? Parents? The preacher, the parents? We've witnessed so many I want to tell you this, so many who have married, my opinion, have married out of the will of God. But I will say this, when you said I do, you done did, it's over. We'll do everything we can do to help you to make your marriage successful. However, there's a difference between God's perfect will and his permissive will. And there'll be some things that you will reap. I'll tell you, you better make sure you're on the same page, going in the same direction. You have the same doctrinal beliefs. You have the same standards. You have the same convictions. Young people don't think that that's important at that time. Well, I'm in love. But I'll tell you what, it becomes very important shortly after marriage when you realize we're not going the same direction. Know ye not, brethren? <laughs> Paul's like, surprised. Don't you know this? Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how let the law have dominion over man as long as he liveth. Obviously, he's talking about God's law, not man's law. For the woman which hath a husband is bound by the law, the law of God to her husband, so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband, so that if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. Serious. But if her husband be dead... She is free from that law so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Till death do us part. Make sure before you stand before the altar. Thou shalt not. My money is a trust from God and must be earned, managed, and given according to scriptural principles. Isaac has hosted, I think, tomorrow night's the last night. He's been hosting a Dave Ramsey uh, series uh, for the young couples of our church, and I've heard just great reports from that. But to have this conviction, I'm going to earn my money, not in a dishonest way. I'm going to manage my money according to God's principles. And I'm going to give my money as directed by the Lord. It becomes a conviction with you. Malachi, will a man rob God? What's the answer? Yes? How can we rob God? In our tithes and in our, and in our offerings. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Here comes another conviction. My words must always be truthful and in harmony with God's word. I will always seek to be honest in all of my business dealings. I will refrain. Read this with me. I will refrain from what? Gossip, slander, spreading evil reports about others. How many of you ever, here have ever been guilty of gossip? Slander? Giving an evil report? For those of you who did not raise your hand, thou shalt not bear false witness. 
Oh, how easy it is not to have this conviction. A whisper separated chief friends. A talebearer revealed his secrets. Therefore, meddle not. Where there is no talebearer, the strife ceaseth. The words of a talebearer are as wounds. Whoso privily slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer among thy people. Don't get involved in debates and envying and wrath and strife and backbitings and whisperings and swellings and tumults. If a man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with what? Seasoned with salt. The doctrine of thumper. If you can't say something nice, don't say nothing at all. Mike's writing that quote down right there. (laughs) For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking guile, deception. Last, thou shalt not covet. My affections must be set on things above, not on the things of this world. Perhaps this is the most violated commandment of all of us. Drop down to the bottom here because of time. Who mind, what? Earthly things. For our conversation, the way we live our lives is in heaven. Not earthly, but heavenly. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. While we look not upon the things that are seen, but upon the things which are not seen. The things which are seen are temporal. The things which are not seen are eternal. Remember, living in this world, that's probably the most difficult thing to do. To be eternally focused. Are we focused on heaven? Or are we focused on the things of this earth? Where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. Are we living for the dot or for the line? Where are we laying up our treasures? Laying up treasures on earth or laying up treasures in heaven? Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. Thou shalt not covet his manservant, his maidservant, his ox or his ass or anything that is thy neighbor's. You know, some young men would say, wow, I wish I was as good looking as that young man. Or some of our ladies would say, wow, I wish I was as beautiful as she was. Or I wish I lived in the house that they live in. Or, wow, I wish I had that car. Others may say, wow, wish I could live the life of luxury 
I wish I was athletic like that guy. I wish I had friends like she does. I wish I had that kind of money. Thou shalt not. If I were the boss, I wish I had a family. I wish I was married to him. I wish I was married to her. I wish I had a maid to do my housework. I wish I had that many shoes and that many dresses in my closet. Some of you do, I know. <laughs> but seek ye first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. I love this quote. When we put God first, all other things fall into their proper place. Having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and snare and many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? You ready to review our convictions? Okay. As we do this, just going to take a couple minutes. As we do this, I want to ask you, are these your convictions in life? No other gods before me. God and his word must take first place in my life. Do not make any graven images nor serve them. I will not serve two masters. Do not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. God's reputation is damaged by my personal sin. Remember the Sabbath day. I will not forsake the assembling on the Lord's day. Honor thy mother and father. I will honor my parents who have brought me up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Thou shalt not kill. I will not cause my brother to stumble and destroy him spiritually. Thou shalt not commit adultery. I will not defile my marriage covenant by lust. Thou shalt not steal. I will seek to set my affections on things above. Thou shalt not bear false witness. I will, I will always speak the truth in love. Thou shalt not covet. I will be content with what God has blessed me with. Are these your convictions? Or are you living a life of compromise? Pretty serious stuff, isn't it? Let's pray. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening 
at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.